Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast of your Miami Dolphins. And if you've never heard of us before, we don't blame you because I, Sam Marcu, and him, Chris Cullen, have taken a couple of weeks off. Chris, how the hell are you? Oh, I'm great, man. Started a new job, so sorry to everybody that... Uh, schedules have been kind of tinked and tunked. I don't know what that means, but uh, we are now back in the saddle, man. Laramie Tunctal. Uh No, I mean <laughs> uh, between your new gig and uh, I, you know, we've we've alluded to what I do during the day. Um, well, I guess during the night, as it were. Uh, yeah. I've been. I've been <laughs> no, that that's a hobby, Chris. Um, but I think most of our longtime listeners know that uh, I, I dabble. I dabble in the comedy game, and I've actually been uh, working on a show that is currently making its way through the entertainment cycle and being negotiated to be picked up, uh, which means I've been spending a lot of time in Los Angeles and a lot of time talking to uh, a bunch of uh, production dicks. And uh, speaking of which, Chris, I did not know this, but virtually every conversation I have had with some sort of Hollywood whatever, um, somebody reveals that somebody in Hollywood is gay that I otherwise would not know is gay. Like, I didn't know that it's just in every single conversation. Really? Yeah, like I was, I had a, I had a, a meeting with a movie studio, of all things, not too long ago, and uh, I mentioned it to a production friend of mine, and I'm like, oh, I met with this movie studio production, and I will not name the movie uh, studio uh, because of people will know exactly the actor that would uh, be uh, outed if I did. But they said, oh, you know, so-and-so is totally gay, right? And I'm like, I I don't. <laughs> That's I, the first thing they say to you? Yeah, like it literally, they, they just like casually drop it. Like, oh, I'm meeting with such-and-such studios. Like, oh, that's cool. You know, him and his boyfriend. I'm like, what? what? Okay, I mean... <laughs> Does that matter? <laughs> like, I just, you, I just... Can you imagine if you're just like, hey, man, you ever go to that uh, Biscuitville there in Indian land, North Carolina? And they're like, yeah, you, you hear that manager's totally a flamer. Yeah. Like, I mean, what? Like, I just I'm talking about food. Like, what? What's that to do with the story? But this is what I want. I want my new level to know if I've made it in Hollywood or not. Because I get recognized every now and then for comedy. And I've been on TV a couple of times. But my new level of if I've made it or not is that if somebody's having a conversation about me and they just casually drop, oh, you know, he's totally gay, right? Like, that's my that's how I know <laughs> if I've made it is if gay rumors about me start spreading throughout the entertainment industry. But you mentioned Biscuitville, and uh, I can't think of a better transition into what I'm about to talk about than that. Uh, and of course, I'm talking about uh, ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. We've been telling people for, I don't know, close to a year now uh, that if you give us a five-star rating and a review, you are eligible to get a free Sipsack Perfectville koozie mailed to your door, wherever it may be. And uh, we always give you a shout-out if you give us a review. And this one comes from Smurf83674. Um, and it says, love the pod, five stars. Love your show, chemistry and rants keep up your great work fins up from biscuitville so uh <laughs> yes there you go i think biscuitville oh, yeah. needs to give us some free biscuits or at least you know officially endorse the show because we are now getting people referencing biscuitville out there that otherwise would not so thank you very much smurf That's the thing now too like the um you know wendy's their their social media game is like on fire yeah uh their, their twitter is unreal they do amas on reddit like if biscuitville can get started uh and we can just help push that off the cliff a little bit man yeah i would totally go for some uh, free 
Lyod biscuit platters that for sure. Look, I'm going to need some biscuits after we get through with this show because I'm going to be drinking heavily mm. because this show right here, right now, that you, the citizens of Perfectville, are listening to is all about the linebacking core of 2017 for the Miami Dolphins. This is what you voted on. I don't know why, but you guys voted on Twitter at Perfectville People like Pod. A train wreck. God, I, I, you guys must like a train wreck, a J train wreck, which, by the way, shout out to the Philadelphia Eagles and the 17 different former Miami Dolphins who are on the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles currently that beat the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. Yes, we applaud you. We speak your name. It was a lot of fun. Um, way to go, Philly. Thank you very much for taking care of that for us. Uh, but that aside, man, um, linebackers, Miami Dolphins, I can't think of an outstanding class since Zach Thomas, to be honest with you, Chris. Uh, as a snapshot, what are your overall feelings of the linebacking core of 2017 for the Miami Dolphins? Well, I've been excited to talk about this because the linebacking position is my bread and butter. That's what I played my entire life. That's where I earned a football scholarship is playing the position of middle linebacker. And my favorite player uh, is a guy you might know named Zach Thomas, like you alluded to, number 54. I feel like this position might have the same curse that Dan Marino has on the quarterback position, mm. and that's Zach Thomas. Um, we got so goddamn spoiled, Sam. Like, we took it for granted, having 54 there. It didn't matter if Channing Crowder was next to him, Joey Porter, uh, Donnie Spragan. I mean, J- Jesus Christ, it didn't matter who was next to him. We tackled guys within five yards because Zach Thomas was a middle linebacker. And now you watch this team. And we went out and signed Carlos Dansby to a big free agent deal. Bill Parcells made it happen. Um, we we get these guys. We bring them in. We draft them. And it's just nothing turns out at all for us. No. And it's just – it's a curse of Zach Thomas. It's a ZT curse. And speaking of which, needs to be in the Hall of Fame, by the way. Yep. Now that Erlacher is first ballot and Ray Lewis is now into the Hall of Fame, which no question Ray Lewis deserved it. Uh, but Zach Thomas is next on that list, and he needs to be talked about, and no one outside of the Miami Dolphins fan base is talking about this guy. But we have not had a linebacking crew that's been scary or like produced since him. And – it sucks because it's really hurting our defensive line and our defensive backfield. You know, the defensive backfield coming into 2017 was something that I think we needed to focus on, getting T.J. McDonald, who actually played pretty well after yeah. he came back from suspension. And you look at Xavier Howard in his second year, and you look at what uh, McCain was able to do, and of course Rashad Jones. Uh, the defensive backfield, I feel much more comfortable after this season than I did previously. Uh, the, def- the defensive line, I think some of the younger guys, the Godchows of the world, uh, the Harrises of the world, World. They played, you know, I think where they should have played, um, and PFF rankings agree with me, but when you look at the linebacking core, it makes, I mean, it's it's a goddamn head-scratcher, Chris, because we invested heavily in this position prior to this season. We knew that it was a weakness. We went out, we got free agents like Lawrence Timmons. We re-signed Kiko Alonso to a long-term high-priced deal. We spent good draft capital on Raekwon McMillan. We tried to address this position, and it just did not work. And uh, the numbers bear it out. I mean, if you look at all the linebackers that are on the roster right now that played in 2017, or at least were on the roster for 2017, only two of them actually ranked in terms of pro football focuses rankings. And that's wow. La- and that's Lawrence Timmons at 67, 
and Kiko Alonso at 75. I mean, that means at 67 that he would be uh, – God, you'd go through the top linebacker on every single team and then the second linebacker on every single team before Lawrence Timmons is even mentioned or referenced as being there. I mean, that is awful. You can't have a good linebacking core when your best linebacker ranks at number 67 in the league and is overall – from PFF out of 100 points, 43.3. Oh, my God. It's terrible. And Kiko Alonso is at 39.0. I mean, these guys were not good players. They did not play the run well, especially Lawrence Timmons. Uh, Kiko Alonso did not play uh, in coverage well. He ranks at like 35.5 out of 100. Uh, their pass rush was okay, but these are the guys that were on the field the majority of the time, and they just couldn't get it done. I mean, it was abysmal. To say the least. Yeah. The thing that gets me with these guys is they should be performing. Like I, I feel like no way 365 days is enough to have Kiko Alonso and Lawrence Timmons fall off a huge cliff like that. Um, Lawrence Timmons produced with Pittsburgh. We got him in a free agent deal. Kiko Alonso did fairly well for us last year to the point where we had to resign him to a deal. We didn't want to let him go. He was doing good things. All of a sudden, Matt Burke takes over as defensive coordinator, and these guys fall off a cliff. A a lot of people, a lot of people are giving up on Kiko, and and I understand it. He did have a really bad year. I I can't recall two or three plays that he actually did something that changed the game. Like, I can't recall it. I know he had, like, a fourth down stop in one of the games, and that's it. Like, he just didn't do anything, and he was constantly beating coverage, which is – "Quote unquote," his bread and butter because he's undersized for a middle linebacker. Um, I think everything got screwed up, Sam, when McMillan got hurt. I, I think that he's a second round pick. They knew coming in that this guy was a middle linebacker, no doubt about it. Maybe we'll move Kiko to the weak side. Strong side is Timmons. Here's how we're going to do it. Here's our game plan. Here's what you're going to prepare for mentally, physically, and then the first preseason game out McMillan and it just changes everything I don't know if it messed with uh their, their foresight their, their mentality I don't know what it was but the linebacking play this year was abysmal well and you're absolutely right I think you know going back to what you how you started the show it's almost like we're cursed and we're snake bitten here because yeah. Wake Ron McMillan coming in as a second rounder I think everyone was very happy that we were able to get him in the second round and yep. by all accounts he was already penciled in as the opening day starter before the first preseason game had ever started uh, as everyone remembers he was injured on the kickoff of that game and there was a lot of debate whether he should have been out there or not I kind of feel like hey look he's a rookie he's got to earn his stripes he's going to play special teams I think you took the other side of that uh, well you know what he either way he was out for the entire year and that completely screwed up what the linebackers were supposed to do this year which was McMillan uh, at the mic Alonzo at the will and uh, Lawrence Timmons at the Sam now that wasn't the only stroke of bad luck if you want to call it that that the Miami Dolphins had at linebacker before our first game of the season which was week two uh, as you will remember Lawrence Timmons went AWOL yeah so here you have your talented rookie that you're basically basing your entire linebacking core around go down with an injury before he's ever able to take a snap in a real game at the linebacking position. And then on top of that, Lawrence Timmons, who you signed to a two-year guaranteed contract to kind of give that veteran presence to help Raekwon, to help solidify behind Kiko on the other side, uh, he just up and fucking leaves the team. 
Like, mm. he just left for no apparent reason, goes back to, like, the Steelers practice instead of playing for the new team that he's supposed to be a part of. Uh, and That's ultimate, the most Dolphins thing ever, by the way. Good Lord. I mean, what what is that? Like, wh- who does that? Like, he, it's not like he, like, took a bunch of drugs and left like Barrett Robbins did for the Raiders way back when in the Super Bowl. He was just like, you know, I kind of like the old team that I played for better. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm just going to go hang out with them. You know, <laughs> like, what is what is that even? It's still, to this day the biggest head-scratcher that I think I've been a part of with the Miami Dolphins in a very long time, and that's saying something considering everything yeah. that this Miami Dolphins franchise has put us through as fans. Uh, but those those are your two top prizes to come in and help solidify the linebacking core, and one just completely shatters his leg, and the other one decides, you know what, I don't necessarily need to be here. Uh, you have yourself a problem, and that problem manifested itself on the field. I mean, Kiko Alonso uh, was just... He looked like the Kiko Alonso in Philadelphia, ironically enough. He didn't look like the Kiko Alonso who played here last year. And when you can pound that with the fact that he signed a contract prior to the season where he looked good last season, and now he looked like dog shit, it makes fans angry. And I will say this. I do remember at least one play, one game-changing play that he made this year, and that was when he took Joe Flacco's head off and, uh, you know, Joe Flacco was so out of it that he actually asked for the check while his head was still hitting the ground. Uh, but that's it. That's the only thing was uh, technically an illegal hit that Kiko Lonzo did. That's the only significant play that he had this year that I can remember. Uh, and when Chase Allen, who didn't even qualify by, you know, to playing enough snaps, is basically your best linebacker, you have problems, man. Yeah, of course. And, and it's one of those things where – at least Chase Allen did something good. Um, you know, you talk about Netflix specials and comedians. Aziz Ansari's show on Netflix, Master of None, is uh, explains Kiko Alonso very much this season. He, he he was not good at stopping the run, which we expect. He's undersized. He was not good at stopping the pass, which we did expect. So he was a master of none. He just didn't do anything great. And that just like asks for good coaches to take advantage of it. And when you lose guys like McMillan and all of a sudden we're force feeding Mike Hole and Chase Allen into the middle there, uh, these good coaches, very great coaches are going to exploit it. And Kiko Alonso got exploited big time. It didn't matter if he was covering a running back, a tight end or a receiver. He was just out of position uh, could outclass size and speed. It just wasn't there. It reminded me a lot of Channing Crowder. Like he just couldn't do anything. He just seemed to be making tackles 30, 40 yards down the field. And I don't know if it's a hundred percent on Kiko though. I'm, I'm going to keep circling back to Matt Burke. It just, I just feel like guys seem to be out of position. We seem to be playing soft coverage when we needed to play aggressive. We seem to not blitz when we needed to. Um, there's just when you watch other games, and I think the cr- thing that drives me crazy the most, Sam, is when I watch the playoffs. When the playoffs start, and you start watching these good teams, these good teams that made it to the playoffs, and they're there for a reason. They've done stuff consistently, 16, 17 games in a row, and um, you start seeing the linebackers make plays, blitzing, uh, blitzing safeties. There's just no reason Rashad Jones should be having 100 plus tackles in a in a year at safety. There's the linebackers need to be doing something, and right now they just they're terrible. Yeah, Aziz Ansari, totally gay, by the way. No, just kidding, just <laughs> kidding. It was him. No, oh, I am. <laughs> God, he would be killing for that press right now, considering everything that's come down on his head recently. But that that's poor bastard. Well, here's the deal. Uh, speaking of poor bastards, as fans of the Dolphins, we are poor bastards because I'm looking at the stats here, Chris. Uh, the two top 
snap getters for the linebackers were Kiko Alonso and Lawrence Timmons. No surprise there. Kiko right. played over a thousand snaps. Lawrence Timmons played close to eight hundred. Nobody else is even close. Chase Allen played two hundred nineteen snaps. That's the third most snaps uh, at the linebacking position. But here's the deal: Chase Allen is the highest rated linebacker on the team according to PFF, and he's only getting 219 snaps. Um, here are some other people that are rated higher than both Kiko Alonso and Lawrence Timmons. That would be Stepphone Anthony, Stefan Anthony, uh, who played 20 total snaps, so that's not really enough. Uh, that doesn't sound right. He only played 20 uh, snaps. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, he, he played 130. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong guy. Neville Hewitt. Oh, shit. Neville Hewitt only played 11 snaps. He was ranked higher than those guys. Uh, and then you have Mike Hull, who, uh, you know, look, he's carrying an apartment complex on his back, but he's also carrying the burden of being better than both Kiko Alonso and Lawrence Timmons when it comes to PFF rankings. And he didn't get enough snaps. I mean, he only got 183 total on the season. So when you look at the actual raw data, we have this all backwards. We're playing the worst guys the most amount of times. And again, going back to your point, that's coaching we got to get those guys off the field or at least put them in a position to be better at their job because you're right. They don't just lose that much talent and that much ability overnight or in the course of a year. There's something going on there. It's got to be somewhat related to scheme. They're either playing out of position or there's something going on where they weren't grasping it completely. But my God, man, when you have Lawrence Timmons and Kiko Alonso playing 1,800 snaps and they're the two worst-rated linebackers on your team um, – somebody's got to ask that question as to what the hell's going on. Yeah. If I, if I am trying to make French toast, Sam, and, um, I keep burning the French toast, I'm not going to keep it on the same temperature. I'm going to lower the temperature. I'm going to, you know, change the ratio of butter on the bread. You got to mix it up. And the fact that you kept just throwing these guys out there, I don't know if it's a disconnect or there's too many chefs in the, in the kitchen, but, um, you know, with, and, and this goes back to Sam too, with the discussion we had a couple of uh, episodes ago, I'm noticing a trend. I'm noticing a trend of coaches that are head coaches and also call plays. I feel like, and I'll say it again as I'm repeating myself, but it, it bears repeating. Adam Gase might be giving too much power to his assistant coaches where he's not stepping up and just like saying, you know what, Matt, this isn't working, dude. You need to mix it up. He's too enthralled in the play calling and having a game plan for the next week, and he's it, it's weakening his head coaching ability of the entire team, the grasp of the team. And I think that's really showing. I, I absolutely think it's really showing because the fact that Matt Burke did not did not make any changes and didn't like just maybe throw uh, Mike Hole out there and Chase Allen and see if something goes different. Like he just kept forcing Kiko Alonso and uh, Lawrence Timmons out there regardless of their contract, regardless how much money they're making, regardless of uh, Captain C on their chest, changed up and they just refused to do it. Yeah, it just. but here's the deal. Like when you look at the defensive line, you look at the interior defensive line and the edge defenders, they all played pretty well. I mean, they were yeah, average no they to should good. they that bad. Yeah. They were, but they weren't. They were good. And then you look at the defensive defensive backfield and, you know, yeah, we had some guys that were bad, cough, cough, Nate Allen, but we had some good players like Rashad Jones and TJ McDonald. And then you have this linebacking core, which, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't Burke a linebacker's coach at some point? Yes, that's his bread and butter. So why is this happening? Why do we have such bad linebacking play when our defensive coordinator, who's been given essentially carte blanche, because you're right, I think Adam Gay said, hey man, this is your side of the ball, deal with it. Why, why is it that his linebackers are the one spot that is just dog shit? I mean... 
I don't want to harp on it too much because I think everyone knows exactly what we're feeling right now that's listening to this show, but how does that happen when you're a former linebackers coach who's now your defensive coordinator who's been given a green light to do what he's got to do to fix this defense have such a poor linebacking core? Yeah, maybe he just like was super confident in that position because that was his bread and butter and it ended up lacking because he started focusing on more things. I, I, I don't know. Right now we're, we're kind of just speaking of hypotheticals, but it just it screams when you got two good guys that have produced well in the past, uh, not as far back as a year ago for the same team, but with Vance Joseph as defensive coordinator instead of Matt Burke, Kiko Alonso was intercepting passes. Yeah returning him for touchdowns, making sacks. All of a sudden, he's just not performing. The common denominator is the coach. And that's where I'm really hoping Matt Burke learned from his first year. He gets better and changes things because, unfortunately, we're stuck with both these guys because Lawrence Timmons' contract makes it almost impossible to get rid of him with our cap situation because I think there's some kind of a trigger where we'll lose almost close to $8 million against the cap if we cut him. Um, it's only like 300000 if we keep him because of bonuses and things like that. It's just crazy. Well, that's what actually the next part that I wanted to get into is, so how do we fix it? We know it's wrong how do, and bad. How do we fix it? And I was actually going to say, I thought the second year of Lawrence Timmons' contract was actually no longer guaranteed due to the fact that he went AWOL and it violated the terms of his contract. So- oh, now that could be mixing me up. I remember reading the original contract terms prior to the AWOL-ness. <laughs> but um, if that's the case, I'm more than likely we're moving on from this guy. But even if we do, Sam, if, if it is coaching, are we getting rid of a talented player and cutting off our nose to spite our face? Well, maybe, but here's the thing I'm thinking of. Uh, for being the 67th ranked linebacker in the league and for no longer having a guarantee and for not being the guy that we thought we were getting in terms of the character makeup, maybe it's a blessing in disguise that he left that Los Angeles Chargers game early um, and, and and decided to null and void the second year of his contract because now we do have that money and we don't have a lot of room on our salary cap this year, at least not right now, but we have money to go out and fix this. And here's the thing. I don't know how to fix it necessarily because I'd say, hey, look, we got to spend high draft capital, but we just did that with Raekwon McMillan. So part of me thinks, you know what? We need to be patient. Raekwon comes back next year. We can plug him back into the middle. It'll be like having a draft pick because he never got to play in his rookie year, but he is coming off of a pretty significant injury. So what is that? going to mean is he going to be fully recovered are we have to worry do we have to worry about him possibly having you know a reoccurring uh injury uh when he steps field on there is he going to be a little bit tentative right so while it's good that we're going to get Raekwon McMillan back and that will cure a lot of ills I think um it's not the the cure-all to this entire issue here I do think Lawrence Timmons goes away I think Kiko Alonso stays I think Chase Allen has to stay I think Chase Allen probably needs an opportunity to do more based on what I'm looking at right now Koamisi will not play but he will somehow get money from the Miami Dolphins I'm not sure how that's <laughs> going to work uh but it always will and then you, of course you have Mike Hole who uh does fantastic on special teams and you know say what you want about the guy we tease him a lot but he's been there for like the last three years every time you need somebody you need a body he's he's there so um uh, how do you see this being fixed do we go after a free agent do we trade do we go with a draft pick how do we get better at this position it's so weird sam we were 10 and 6 two years ago went to the playoffs for the first time in eight years this year we lose ryan Tannehill. we lose mcmillan we have a ton of injuries aiken and, um, you know, we trade uh, JHI and it's just like uh, a start over type type season. But we get this high draft pick now and we are 
what seems like a few pieces away from being that 10 and 6 team. Like we we lost Rashad Jones, we still went no big deal. Um I honestly this is one of the drafts and I feel like I say this every year. I really do. Uh but I really feel it this time. This draft is such a crapshoot with where we're going to pick at 11 because if there's a huge run on quarterbacks, guys are trading ahead of us for Baker Mayfield and and Rosen and and, and Allen and all these guys, um, we might have an absolute stud fall to us at 11. That's just like pull the trigger, game changing, unbelievable. If a Raquan Smith falls, uh, Roquan Smith falls to us from Georgia, for example, um, and you can pair him. With Alonzo and McMillan, that changes everything. This guy's getting compared to Levante David for the Tampa Bay Bucks. If um, if, if the linebacker from Alabama, Rashawn Evans, falls to us, you know we passed on uh, Reuben Foster last year, and you feel like you did all right because you got Charles Harris and McMillan in that. Uh, even barring the injury, McMillan, keep in mind, is one of the top three youngest guys in the NFL. So if somebody's going to, yeah, somebody's going to get a torn ACL. I'm going to choose the guy that literally can like shit Flintstone vitamins because he's like fucking 20 years old and heals like crazy. So hopefully he's going to be fine. It's not going to be a big deal. That's like getting a new second round pick. We got a high pick in the first round. There's an opportunity for a really big game changer to, to fall to us. And we've seen good players make bad coaches look good. So if we can get one guy that can change, change the game, we add him with Harris after another year uh, where he, he knows how it is to be an NFL football player. McMillan has been around the team. He's healthy, and we can add a first-round talent, a guy that normally would be top four, eight in a normal draft, but with all these quarterbacks is going to fall to us at 11. You pull the trigger and you do it. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think you have to kind of see where the chips fall in the draft, but if there's a, a stud talent there for, at linebacker, I think you got to pick it. I mean, I you yeah. you have to get younger. You have to get talent. I mean, as, as Bill Pars used to say, you know, this is a talent business, right? You have to have the talent in order to uh, even perform. And I think in some cases we're lacking that talent. And also it should be pointed out that Ray Malulubugu, uh was with <laughs> us for a few. Actually, he was the replacement for Raekwon McMillan, and uh, he was with us. He was actually rated as poor by PFF as well. Um, but he got arrested and cut from the team. So we kind of hit the Dolphins hat trick when it came to linebackers this year. It's a curse, man. We had an injury, a season-ending season ending injury. We had a guy go AWOL, and we had a guy get arrested. So, I mean, that is a Dolphins. Dolphins hat trick. Uh, and he was super fat when we signed up. He was so, super like, fat. He, they made him a fullback. They don't even have fullbacks in the league anymore. <laughs> and they were like, you know what? The only position you could play other than maybe offensive tackle would be fullback. 31 dive, fat face. Get out there. By the way, his PFF ranking as a fullback, 98. He was stellar. He was fantastic. But as a linebacker. Wow. Gase knew what he was doing on offense. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> oh, my God. And then he went and punched somebody, and that was the end of that. But, um, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I would I would say, considering our cap situation, we're really not going to be able to invest in any high-priced linebackers out there. I don't think we want to go out and trade for one and give up draft capital. So the best way to fix this is, A, through coaching, and, B, putting our positions in a player to uh, in a putting our players in a position to win uh, meaning making sure that they're playing where they're supposed to be playing and that might mean moving Kiko back to the middle he, he wasn't very good as the will linebacker in my opinion so you might need to actually move his position over but if you do that what do you do with McMillan I don't know um, so I think if you're going to fix this you have to rely on Raquan McMillan to come back strong and you have to um, hope 
that there's some talent in the draft that falls your way and, and, and it matches up with your board and you can get one or two people uh, to come in and compete as well. I think that's probably going to be the most sound way to fix the linebacking core. Well, Matt Burke has to just sit down and say, look, what what did we do wrong? Obviously, he missed out on the boat when um, you got guys like Ndamukong Sue and even uh, Godchow, who was just playing out of his mind as a rookie out there unexpectedly, by the way. And Jordan Phillips even really turned it on. Yep. When you got when you got a front four in front of you, your linebackers should be just feasting at a buffet. I mean, like that's where Zach Thomas made his made his money. He was playing in front of uh, behind guys like Daryl Gardner and Tim Bowens, who just ate up double teams and completely freed you up to to make tackles and you just alluded to that was in a in a year in, in an era where fullbacks existed they don't exist anymore so there's no excuse for a middle linebacker to not be running sideline to sideline making tackles if you have a front four like we do that's eating up those blocks so there's something there with scheme there's something there with kiko just being out of position maybe not studying i don't know i mean there's a, tons of hypotheticals there but the fact that he had a great year uh, with us in our playoff year and then has a bad year and we struggle as a team, uh, I think that just like speaks volumes to the entire defense as a whole where you have Rashad Jones behind you, uh, healthy and, and fine, and, and T.J. McDonald, who I would say is an upgrade over uh, Kudis, like for sure he's an upgrade. And then you have uh, Nandamak and Sue in front of you. There's no reason, even losing McMillan, where you and Timmons shouldn't be lighting it up. And that's what we all expected in the preseason, in the training camp. And uh, I, I just, again, I think the common denominator is Matt Burke. And I just really hope he goes to work and takes his offseason seriously. And especially because Gase gave him a second year. Obviously, we didn't go out and hire his replacement and fire him. Um, <clears throat> but... I don't know. It's just I really hope he sits down and figures it out and finds a way to get these guys successful on the football field because the common denominator is him. Yeah, it really is. And you're right. He does have a second year, which is rare with this coaching staff, which leads us to the end of this show here, Chris. And we actually have time for a Perfectville poll once again. It is time for a Perfectville poll brought to you by Clickbait. Are you fishing for new friends, followers, likes, or viewers? If so, then Clickbait is right for you. Pick up your Clickbait starter kit of clever headlines and raunchy photos at welcometoperfectville.com. Clickbait, also available at Walmart. On Twitter at Perfectville Pod. You can also follow us on Instagram at Perfectville Podcast. You can email us perfectvillepodcast at gmail.com. Your options for the next episode of Perfectville, whenever that may be. I promise it'll be sooner than uh, the last two have been together. Uh, but uh, it's all about uh, kind of the oddball parts, right? We went offense for the first time, we went defense for the second time. This time we're going to go special teams as your first option. Uh, we had Cody Parkey, we had Matt Hawk, we have John Denny. We've got these veterans and rookies in terms of Miami Dolphins players uh, getting together. How did that work for their first season together? Option number two, the coaching staff in general. Uh, Adam Gase finally clearing house of everyone uh, that was not hired by him. We'll talk about all those changes, what that means for both the offense, defense, and special teams. Uh, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Is this cronyism? We'll talk about the coaching staff. If that wins, that is poll option number two. And poll option number three 
is going to be the front office. I'm talking about Mike Tannenbaum. I'm talking about Stephen Ross. I'm talking about Tom Garfinkel. I'm talking about Chris Greer. We can talk about the front office if you guys would like. Uh, did we like what they did? Did we like the transactions they made in terms of the draft, in terms of trades, in terms of signings? Uh, did they think well on their feet? Where should they go? Should we replace anyone or should we stay the course? So those are your three options. Once again, special teams, the coaching staff, and the front office of the Miami Dolphins. You can vote right now on Twitter at PerfectvillePod. Let us know what you'd like us to talk about for the next time here on Perfectville. Chris, anything else you'd like to say before we get out of the the town of Perfectville here tonight? Nice spin, man. At first, I'm like, oh, yeah, coaching staff's totally going to win that by a landslide. But you threw out front office. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the residents of Perfectville want us to talk about because both are very juicy. Did you know all the residents of Perfectville are gay? I heard that in a production meeting (laughs) this week. Just kidding. Not all of you. Not all of you. (laughs) Anyway. All right. Well, Chris, anything else you'd like to uh, add to the linebacking episode before we get out of here? Curse of ZT, man. The curse of ZT. I don't know what we have to do. Do we have to burn a little Zach Thomas figurine in the middle of the field in order to make this work? I'm not sure. I'm willing to give it a try. I'll tell you that much. Let's let's let him get the Hall of Fame first. I don't want to curse him personally because, God damn, he means a lot to this franchise. <laughs> you know what? You might be right about this because we might have a Richmond Webb thing going with the left tackle, too. I mean, we've had Jake Long. We had Mark Dixon for a couple of seasons, but we have had not had anyone long-term that has played solid since Richmond Webb. Both those guys deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but they're not in the Hall of Fame, which means we mm. might have to fix that ourselves, Chris, because the last thing I want to point out at the end of this is that the Finzies are coming, ladies and gentlemen. They're on their way, and uh, we may have our first uh, entries into the Hall of Fame, so stay tuned on that. Ooh, uh, little tease, tickle, tickle. Little tease, tickle, tickle, piss, piss. And with that, goodbye. Hey, we should have a con- I'm sorry, I know I just ruined your ending, but we should totally have a conspiracy theory episode and talk about the uh, curses of the Miami Dolphins. Well, Indian burial grounds, the perfect season, like everything. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're having a production meeting in the middle of the show, but uh, you're absolutely right. That's, that's a great idea. Um, vote on that too, motherfuckers. Vote on that too. But uh, with that being said, uh, Chris, anything else you'd like to say before we get out of here? That's actually it this time. Okay, well then goodbye from Perfectville. Later. Perfectville. Citizens of Perfectville, Sam Marcoux here. Are you tired of working hard and not having much to show for it? I know I am, which is why I picked up the new best-selling self-help book by Koa Misi, How to Get Rich Without Ever Working a Day in Your Life. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, the Koa Misi, part-time football player, full-time millionaire. His step-by-step process will take you through his entire journey on how he's been able to take millions of dollars from a billionaire without ever having to work a day in his life. He's done it, and now he's willing to share his secrets with you. Find out all the skills you need to become a multimillionaire without ever lifting a finger. In fact, that's chapter one. 
how to get rich without lifting a finger. Learn the language of lazy millionaires like, oops, I'm injured. Can you pay me now? And of course, oh, my tummy hurts. I can't come in today. Where's my contract extension? It was supposed to be here yesterday. Find out all the latest technology and scams to get money without ever having to do anything, such as writing a self-help book, even though you have no way of helping yourself. All of this and more is available with Koamisi's new best-selling book, available exclusively at welcometoperfectville.com. Warning, by buying this book on welcometoperfectville.com, you agree to give Koamisi a contract extension of five more years. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.